You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. I almost did the Galatians text today, um, especially because there's that part where he's just like, look at how big I'm writing. And I don't... <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, I, I mean, unless he's being literal, I guess. Um, so I wanted to say that I'm so thankful to be here with all of you today, um, which is true every Sunday. But uh, a thing I always like to say when I get the opportunity to preach here at UBC is thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, thank you for being the kind of place and the kind of people um, that make room, particularly for women's voices in the pulpit. Um, we've actually heard from a number of women this summer. I hope that has been formative for you. Um, we've got a lot of uh, amazing, amazing female preachers here, and uh, just a lot of amazing community members in general, but particularly, uh, I know it's been uh, good for me to hear so many voices, so many female voices in the pulpit this summer. So I like to make a point of saying that because um, because it's true and also because this is not an opportunity afforded to women everywhere, you know. This is not something that every community says um, that women can do. And so I like to especially say thank you to you guys for um, being present and being thoughtful and making space for women in the pulpit. So thank you so much for that. Um, thank you for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. And um, uh, I sort of all pray over us what we what gets prayed over us pretty regularly, which is that um, may the Spirit empower you to hear the words I'm about to speak in both meaning and intent, and may you be formed by them in the same way that the Spirit formed me this week as I wrote them. So. I'm actually going to, I'm going to reread our Old Testament text, the Second Kings text for us as we get started. Uh, so now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy is what my translation says. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. 
Why have you torn your robes? Have the, uh, have the man come to me, and he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the river of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's uh, servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. This is Second Kings 5, 1-14. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, and I just have to let you guys know that this is truly one of my favorite types of Bible stories uh, to talk about because it's um, it's just like nothing happens. Uh, truly, nothing happens in this story. Uh, like if I summarize it, uh, Naaman has leprosy and he's like, hey, somebody tells him like, hey, this guy could heal you from your leprosy. And it's like his boss reacts and the king of Israel reacts and, um, you know, that guy heals him and then he takes a bath and that's the end of the story. And, uh, that's like everything. That's the whole story. Nothing happens. Okay. Except for after that, after he takes a bath, <laughs> Naaman's leprosy is cured. His life is saved. And that's everything, right? I mean, it's nothing. Nothing happens. But also, it's, it's everything. There's an Annie Dillard quote that you've probably heard if you've been to any of our Lent or Holy Week services. It makes me think of this quote. This story makes me think of this quote, and I'll, I'll read it for you. So, there were no formerly heroic times, and there was no formerly pure generation. There's no one here but us chickens, and so it always has been. A people, busy and powerful, knowledgeable, ambivalent, important, fearful, and self-aware. A people who scheme, promote, deceive, and conquer, who pray for their loved ones and long to flee misery and skip death. It is a weakening and discoloring idea that rustic people knew God personally once upon a time, or even knew selflessness or courage or literature, but that it's too late for us. In fact, the absolute is available to everyone in every age. There never was a more holy age than ours, and nevertheless. That last sentence always really gets me. There never was a more holy age than ours, and never a less. So the ways in which it reminds me of our story for today is, 
It's a story about people, just people living their lives, looking for solutions to their problems, doubting each other, extending grace to each other, even when it doesn't make sense. It's a story of people being anxious, proud, kind, and compassionate. I've been thinking about compassion a lot lately. That's kind of a lie. I think about compassion a lot normally, but um, particularly lately because um, our VBS was called Compassion Camp. Uh, and so we spent a week talking about compassion together. Uh, we even learned a compassion chant. I will be doing it for you in a second. Um, it has motions. It goes like this. Uh, I see your hurt. I feel your hurt. I try to ease your hurt. And if you can imagine just like these two sections about halfway full of children Chanting that at you is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Um, and there were other versions we said, I hear your hurt, right? Um, I feel your hurt. I try to ease your hurt. Uh, God sees my hurt. God feels my hurt. God tries to uh, ease my hurt. So um, I was thinking that VBS, um, or that this story, much like VBS, gives us a chance to practice uh, compassion. Uh, um, one of the things we talked about uh, during VBS is that compassion includes action. Um, it includes working for people. So um, it's, uh, you know, our story today is a story about everyday people, people who could be our neighbors, our community members, our coworkers people who could be our friends or family members, people who are created in the image of God, and so they deserve compassion. Not because they've earned it, because none of us have, but just because they exist. So we're going to take a minute today and practice compassion, and um, we're going to practice it together. I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like to ask you to find um, a small group of people around you. Uh, and also, if you want to sit silently by yourself and just think, uh, that's totally fine. You definitely can. But I would like you to find a small group around you if you feel comfortable doing that. Um, and we're going to spend some time reflecting and talking and practicing compassion. Uh, so uh, look around. Uh, we're going to talk about how we'd practice compassion in this story. So look around, you know, make some eye contact, um, and find a little group, uh, you know, maybe like less than five people or something like that. Um, and I'm going to read the story again, parts of it, and then ask you some questions. And I would like, we'll spend like two or three minutes talking about it. Okay. Okay, so this is the beginning. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And I thought we might first consider this young girl from Naaman's household. 
We know that she's a prisoner of war. We know that she was sold into slavery, that she's living away from her family. As far as power goes, she's definitely the person with the smallest amount of it in this story. So um, how is she compassionate? And why do you think she's compassionate here? Um, I'm going to set a little clock on my phone so I know I'm not leaving you for like, we're not going to sit in silence for 10 minutes or something like that if that's a concern of yours. So uh, take a couple of minutes and talk with those around you about how and why you think this girl is compassionate. Okay, moving on to the next section of the story. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes. It's like so dramatic, you guys. Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? I'm not sure this is the king of Israel's best moment. I hope not, you know? Presumably, Naaman is there uh, when he has this reaction, is like witnessing it. Um, and I don't know that the king of Israel is exactly seeing his hurt, feeling his hurt, and helping to ease his hurt. So it's a swing and a miss, really. Uh, so if we gave the king of Israel a redo, what might a compassionate reaction be to Naaman in this situation? Uh, what might this reaction look like if it were compassionate? Uh, and for extra credit, you might offer some compassion to the king of Israel. This is probably a stressful moment for him. Why did he react this way? Um, so think about those things for a couple of minutes. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay, so moving on in our story. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. This is my favorite part. Uh, why have you torn your robes? Like, why did you do that? That was very silly. What a silly thing to do, king of Israel. Uh, have the man come to me, and I will know, that, and he will know, that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha. Oh, of Elisha's house. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Uh, he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleaned. This is also my favorite part of the story, because this is definitely what I would do. But Naaman went away, angry, and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Uh, how often is that, all of us, right? How often am I like, I really thought they were going to do something special for me. Uh, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? 
Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Uh, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. So I wondered, who is compassionate here in this part of the story? Maybe there are multiple instances of compassion. Maybe compassion is motivated by different things. Where do you see, who do you see offering compassion um, in this section of our story for this morning? Okay, friends. Um, just as a side note, ultimately there's a part of the story that's not in our text today. Um, and that story is about um, a man, I can't remember his name, one of Elisha's servants, uh, because... Naaman goes back to Elisha, tries to give him all this gold and treasure and stuff. And Elisha's like, absolutely not. Please leave. And um, and so the servant, like, follows behind Naaman and is, and is then like, ah, he changed his mind. He wants it all. Please give it to me. And uh, then God is like, now you have leprosy, sir. Uh, which is so funny, I think. Uh so, but it's not part of our text today, so no reflection. Just, I want you to know that that happened. So here's the thing. Ultimately, the Old Testament is a story about God and God's people. A story about God and Israel. Just Israel. But occasionally, we get a story like this. A story about nothing, about nothing, really, about a foreigner, someone outside of the covenant, just looking to be healed. And even though he's an outsider, even though Naaman hasn't earned it, he doesn't deserve it, God is compassionate. God heals him. UBC, may we be a people of compassion. May we be a people who can walk into a story and see that even though it might be about nothing, we can offer something. We can offer compassion. And that, that is everything.